bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in this place this morning. Father, I thank you for the quiet. Thank you for the stillness. Lord, I thank you for the reverence as we become before you people who have been redeemed through the blood of Christ. Just take a moment here to sit in your presence, in the community of brothers and sisters, with hearts of thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you dwell with your people. Thank you that your presence is sweet. Father, I ask that you work in our hearts this morning. We want to be changed into the image of Jesus. We want to be salt and we want to be light in this world. We want to bring glory to your holy name because you are worth it. As we just sang, you are worthy of it all, Lord. Everything that we can give you, everything that our hearts and our hands and our minds touch and think about, may it be to your glory. Thank you that you work in imperfect people. Have your way in Jesus' name. Times as a pastor where you you feel you want to be slow to speak because you feel like you're going to break something <laughs> that the Holy Spirit's doing, and so just thankful for His presence this morning. It was uh, beautiful to hear all of your voices singing. There was there was a reverence in here this morning, and it was wonderful to be a part of. It's wonderful to be a part of the body, and and that's really what we're we're talking about this morning. We Last week started a, a series called Who We Are, where we were talking about, after coming out of our, our other series all about the church and how we are given different gifts of the Spirit and uh, we are here for one another, last week we talked more specifically about our church and our focuses as a body and, and, and what it looks like to live out the mission that Jesus has given us in this context. And so, this morning, we're going to continue in that little mini-series that we're in called Who We Are, and I'm going to share uh, with you our values this morning, the values that we hold as a church. As I said last week, we began and we shared our three focuses. And I had said last week that focus is your aim. Some of you may call it vision. It's the same thing, but focus is your aim. It's the answer to the question of where you are going as a group, where you are going as an organization. And, and you need to know what your focus is, you need to know what your vision is, so that you can measure whether you're successfully hitting it or not. And so I'm just going to restate really quickly, 
what our three focuses are, and, and then we're going to move on to our values this morning. And so I said last week, uh, focus number one is worship God, that we are created to worship God and glorify Him forever. Uh, focus number two is follow Jesus that we are called to follow Jesus and we are called to devote our lives to him, that if you are a follower of Christ, it is because you answered that call, come and follow me. It is the call that Jesus puts out to all of his followers. And then third, love one another, that as a community, we aspire to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And it's by our love for each other that the world will know that Jesus is our followers or Jesus is our Lord. And so those are our three focuses as a church. And if you're a regular attender here or you are a member here and you weren't here last week, I really encourage you go on our website, go on uh, YouTube and watch that because it's really going to be the heartbeat of our church going forward. And so go and get caught up and I kind of uh, expand on those things a little bit more. And so this week, as I said, I want to share our values. And values are really the guides. Values are the things that kind of help us get to where we're going. They're the guardrails on the road that make sure we're going in the right direction, that we are keeping in our vision, keeping in our focus. And values really help us as a church, as a group of people, assess how we're doing in our ministries. Are we actually accomplishing what we want to accomplish? Are we actually coming here and worshiping God as we should? Are we loving one another the way that we're called to love one another? And are we following Jesus and devoting our lives to him as we have been called to do? And so just a, a quick word on values. We had nine values as a church. How many people knew that? Exactly. And that's on me. We, we had nine values as a church, and I can guarantee that uh, none of you would be able to tell me what they are. I probably couldn't list all nine very well, and that is on me. You know, values often become these things where they're just kind of words on a web page or they're, they're words on a sheet that you hand out, and you're kind of like, here's our values, but they're not actually things that we're living out. And, and that's not what values should be. Values should be the heartbeat of who you are. They should be the things that drive you as an organization, as an individual. And so when I looked at those nine uh, values on our website, I was like, nobody could tell me what they are. Nobody knows them. And really, are we living those values? And so as we kind of walked through this season of figuring out who are we as a church, what does the Lord call us to be? Uh, I took a bit of a different aim to values, and I started asking some questions. I asked, what is evident already amongst us? What is already seen in our gatherings? What really fires off in me as a leader? What fires off in the people in our church? Um, what is valued amongst us? And what are we already living out? And then what do we desire to live out as a church? Because values are things that you have to grow into as well. And so that's how I approached it. And through conversations that we had, again, those, those 20 or so people that answered that call to come and talk through focus, to come and talk through values, um, we really talked about what those would look like because we want them to become the heartbeat of our church. So focus and values have to be something that drive every single one of us. They have to be something that all of us champion as part of this body of Christ. And so on that note, I'm thankful uh, for the 20 people that were a part of that, that process. Because what I saw happen 
just in three times together, as we talked about the focus, as we talked about the values, you could start to see they were beginning to own it themselves. Even just in those little conversations, giving feedback about you know, what it should look like and what it is, and just in that little time together, they started to own it. And that's what we want to be as a church. All of us need to own our focus. All of us need to own our values. And so with that being said, this morning, uh, I'm just going to share with you, same as last week, Here's our value. Here's a sentence to explain it, and then I'll kind of unpack it a little bit more. And so value number one that we hold as a church is redeeming truth. Redeeming truth. And here's a sentence to go with it. We boldly proclaim and hold fast to the objective truth of God's word so that people will know the truth and be set free in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a, a little bit of a play on words using redeeming truth, because redeeming truth refers to the fact that God's word is true, and, and people are redeemed through his word. And at the same time, as we boldly proclaim this truth, as we walk in this truth, we are redeeming what the world would call truth, because there's a lot of things out there that the world would say is true that are not that are complete lies. And so we want to redeem the truth that the world believes with what is actually true based on what God has said. And so our first value as a church is redeeming truth. And I want to kind of share a little bit about how this came about. I was meeting with John, and, and he asked me directly, he said, why are you a pastor? Why do you pastor? And what, why does your church exist? Why does Move Church exist? And so I started praying about that. As I was driving on the way home and asking the Lord, why am I a pastor? Why does Move Church exist? And then it came to kind of the second question that came out of that prayer with God is he asked me, what do you want people to know when they die? When someone has to go before Jesus, what is that thing in your heart that you want people to know? And immediately, truth. I want people to know the truth. They have to know who Jesus is. They have to know who God is. They have to know the truth of his word before they go, before Jesus and the judgment seat. You know, one of the most common feedbacks of our church is when someone new comes here, they come in the doors and goes, well, you know what? When you come to move church, you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear the truth. You're going to hear God's word taught to you. And that's why we exist, to redeem the truth. But we don't just speak truth for the sense of speaking truth. We don't speak truth to that end in itself. There's a deeper reason, a deeper motivation behind why we speak the truth of Jesus. And it's tied into what I talked about last week, which is the mission of Jesus' church. So what is the universal mission that has been given to every church that calls Jesus Lord? Make disciples. The Great Commission. Right? Go and make disciples. As I was praying, the Lord brought this scripture to my mind. John 8, 31-32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That is why truth is so important. Because Jesus says, if you abide in me, in my word, 
then you are my disciples, and you will know the truth. And when you know the truth, it sets you free. And that's what every person needs, is to be set free from bondage, to be set free from sin. And that happens when you know the truth, the truth that God created the world, the truth that there is sin, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. He is the Son of God sent to save sinners, the truth of how we are called to live in Christ, the truth of eternity, the truth that there is a hell and there is a heaven. We need to know this. People need to know this. And all of this truth, and on top of that, what did Jesus say about himself? In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so it's the truth of God through his word, through Jesus himself, who he called the word, saves sinners, brings freedom, breaks strongholds, destroys the lies of Satan. That's what we want to do as a church. That's what we're called to do as a church. I can't think of anything more important than that. So, redeeming truth. We want people to be set free. And so everything that we do must be done with that end in mind. In every ministry, whether it's a Sunday morning, whether it's move groups, whether it's down in our children's area, redeeming truth bears weight on what we do. Value number two as a church. Mission-focused Discipling. We equip people to live out the mission Jesus has entrusted to his church by teaching followers of Jesus to be obedient to the commands of God, to grow in character, exercising gifting, and courageously taking faith-filled steps for the glory of God. It comes right out of Matthew 28. Again, the Great Commission. This is all rooted in the Great Commission. Jesus came to his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the call of the church is to make disciples, to baptize them, and then teach them to observe the commands of God. And we want to be a church that raises up disciples to understand they're on mission. Whether in your home, whether in your workplace, whether in your school, whatever area that God has you in, you are on mission for Christ. In every vein of life, there is a mission field to be seen and to be lived out. And so we don't, as a church, we don't want to disciple in a way that only fills your brains. There's way too much of that in Western Christianity. We just fill up with knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge. No, no. Action. Sometimes we know way too much and it just keeps us stuck. We just fill our heads. We do nothing with it. And James says, listen, when you do that, you look in the mirror you see a mess and you walk away and do nothing about it? No. We fill our minds so that it touches our hearts, so that we respond and we live out with our lives. And so when we disciple people, we don't want to fill brains. We want to disciple in a way that moves people's 
hearts that leads to action, that leads to obedience, that leads to growing in godly character, that leads to you exercising your spiritual gifts that God has gifted you and taking steps of faith, moving from comfort to courage, being willing to trust the Lord. Mission-focused disciple. To give you an example, again, this bears weight on every single ministry that we have. Think about move groups. If you're in a if you're in a move group, does your move group and what you're doing in there bear weight on your life outside of that one or two hours that you're together? If it doesn't, then we're missing the mark. We're either not doing it as we should or you're too comfortable to go and talk about the Bible and have one or two hours with brothers and sisters and then go back to your home, go back to your life and have it absolutely bear no weight on you. That's not the point. So if we're in move groups together and we walk out after two hours and we give no further thought to what just happened, we're missing it. We have a mission, and everything we do should be intentional to that mission, not just more knowledge in our heads. Which leads me to number three wholehearted response. From our knowledge of who God is and what He has done for us, we eagerly give of our time, our ability, and our earthly possessions in the service of God and His kingdom. Colossians 3, 23-24, Paul writes, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, in all of life, it doesn't matter, whatever you do, do it, as though you are serving the Lord, not men, not yourself, because He's the one that's going to give you your inheritance. He's the one that we're living for ultimately. He's where our hope lies in future. You know, when you know who God is and what He has done for you through Christ, you hopefully understand what Paul says in Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. He says, do you not know? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. When we come to faith in Jesus, that's what we proclaim, right? I am no longer my own. I am not here for me. I belong to Him. He paid the price that I could never pay. My allegiance is to Him and Him alone. And when we grasp what God has done for us, when we grasp the depth and the height and the breadth of how much He loves us and what He has done for us, it overflows in awe. It overflows in thankfulness. And that leads to a response in our lives to glorify God in our body the way Paul says that we should to glorify Him with all that we are. When we know God, when we love Him, the only response that makes sense is a wholehearted response. I leave nothing back from You, Lord, because You left nothing back from me. Have it all. 
absolutely all of my life is yours. You know, I would, I would challenge you, if you're living a, a Christian faith where you're like, oh, it's just not what I thought it would be. It's just kind of blah. Examine whether you have that kind of response to the Lord. Because I'm telling you, the more that we lay down, the more that we give up of ourselves, the more life we find. That's the, the weird thing about God's kingdom. The more we die to ourselves, the more we live. It's a wholehearted response. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this one a little bit more starting next week. I'm so excited for a new series that we're going to be in called Lord of All, Jesus over every area of life. We're going to be going through the second half of Ephesians and looking at what does it mean? What does it actually mean that Jesus is Lord of all? That he's Lord over how I interact with others. That he's Lord over my emotions. That he's Lord over my sex. That he's Lord over my marriage. That he is Lord over everything. I can't wait to get into that series with you. I think God is going to do beautiful things when we look at that. And that leads me to our last one. God honoring excellence. We do all things for the glory of God because we know he is worthy of our best. We want Christ to be seen by all people through our character and through our conduct. And Jesus says, Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This one ties into wholehearted response very closely. We want to give God our best in all that we do. We don't just give him everything. We give him our best in everything. You know, we were praying this morning and, and Lydia was praying, God, you know, uh, we're not looking for perfection, right? But we want to honor you. And, and that's the heart right behind God honoring excellence. Anybody in here perfect? Oh, Dave, I thought your hand was going up. He was going up to scratch. It's like, whoa, he's <laughs> just itchy, he's just itchy. <laughs> right? We're not perfect. And so we will never be perfect, but what we bring forth to the Lord is the best that we have. We do everything with God honoring excellent. We don't just put forth a semi-effort. Here you go, Lord, that's what I have to offer you. No. Here's everything that I can do for you. May it be pleasing to you. You know, it's one of those things where if we give our best in the workplace, how do we not give our best to God? How do we not give our best to his body? Doesn't make sense. If we do one and not the other, our priorities are a little bit out of whack. I'm not saying don't give your best in the workplace. I'm saying if you do it there, it should absolutely be in your relationship with the Lord first. These are our four values. 
redeeming truth, mission-focused discipling, wholehearted response, God-honoring excellence. And my hope is, as I hammer these home, because I'm going to, that they fire off in our hearts, that they get picked up, not just by the leaders of our ministries, but every person that calls this church home, that these things start to become our heartbeat so that all of us walk around. It's like, oh, redeeming truth. How can I speak truth in a way that sets people free? How can I give all of my heart to God? How, what, what is the, the best response I can give him? How do I give him my excellence in this situation, in every situation? Now, as I said, values are the things that assess our ministries and how we're doing. So for, for me and for the leaders, it's one of those things where we need to view everything through our values. So in, in move groups, what does it mean to live out the value of redeeming truth? What does it mean in a group that I run to disciple people with a mission focus? So that it's not just conversation, it leads to action, it leads to change. What does it mean for me to set people up so that they can have a wholehearted response? What does it mean to respond with excellence? It bears weight on everything. Children's, our Sunday morning services together, move groups, all of it. It's the vein through which we do everything. So I hope that we can all grasp these. I hope we can all live these because in a lot of ways these things are already the heartbeat of our church. We're just bringing them to the forefront so we can see them more clearly. And through them I pray that God's glorified. Through them I pray that every person that calls this home grows in faith in Christ, grows in their willingness to take steps, grows in their knowledge of him and sanctification, and that through them we go and meet this world that needs the truth of Jesus. And we bring more and more to know the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Let's pray together, church. Father, I thank you for the mission that you have given us. Lord, I thank you that it is a mission that you've given to all of your churches. And that each church is going to live it out a little bit differently according to the people that you've called to that local body. Father, I look around the room and I thank you for every single heart in here this morning. I thank you for how you have uniquely gifted them. I thank you that we all come in here with different life experiences, different passions, different desires, and, and some of those experiences have been challenging, but you redeem all of them for the purpose of your body. And so, Lord, I just pray for our church. I pray for each heart here, that as we live out this focus, as we live out these values that your glory would be seen not just within these walls, but in the community that you've called us to. 
that we would see men or women growing in their relationship with Jesus. That we would see men and women becoming more and more like Christ. That we would see men and women being sanctified. Taking faith-filled steps of courage for the sake of your kingdom. Father, that we would see those who are hurting become whole in Christ. I thank you that you are able to do far more than we think or ask. And I pray, Lord, that you, in and through our church, would be able to do far more than we could ever imagine as we live our lives for you. Because you are worth it. In Jesus' name.